Paola Santiago and the River of Tears. Chapter 1. Algae Again. It was 118 degrees in Silver Springs, Arizona, and the Gila River was thick with algae, but Paola was careful to keep that observation to herself. The last time she'd mentioned algae in front of her best friend Dante, he'd shoved a gummy worm up her nose. Algae was green and slimy. It stuck to your feet when you stepped into the wrong part of the swimming hole. It smelled awful. It made the river look weird and alien when the water got too low. But when processed and extracted and purified, an acre of it could create 10,000 gallons of usable biofuel. That awesomeness enough to make up for its general ickiness? Aware of Dante and her other best friend, Emma, sitting on the picnic blanket on either side of her, Pau didn't speak aloud the wonders of algae. Sometimes, she thought there were still granules of sour sugar from that gummy worm slowly making their way into her brain through her nasal cavity. There was a lot of candy spread out before them today, and Pau didn't want to find out what other varieties would feel like in her nostrils. Shuddering, she kept her daydreams private for now. In Silver Springs, the place where Pau was unfortunate enough to have lived since she was four years old, there wasn't much to do but daydream. In fact, she had become somewhat of a pro. Sometimes she pondered algae or other fuel experiments, sometimes which kind of robot could best handle the unpredictable topography of Mars, sometimes the rocket launch and where it was headed, but Pau's spaciness didn't discriminate. She'd also been caught drifting off about her favorite graphic novel series, Double Chocolate Sundays, and how unfair it was that her mom wouldn't let her get a dog. Spoiler alert, it was really, really unfair. The thought of dogs had her pondering the specifics of certain breeds again, and she was barely aware of Dante and Emma's banter beside her until it was too late. Earth to Pau, said Dante on her left, his hand inching dangerously close to a bag of milk duds, like he could tell she was silently breaking their no-algae agreement. You may have better luck with Mars to Pau, Emma giggled on her right. Pau let today's gloopy green daydreams float away into the sherbet-colored sky and sat up to face her two friends, smiling in an, I know I'm weird, but you love me anyway, right? kind of way. What did I miss? she asked. Best superhero weapons, Emma said. We were debating Captain America's shield versus Thor's hammer. Ah, sorry, Pau said. But either way, you know I don't like weapons that defy physics. It's cheating. Emma smiled and shook her head, her freckles standing out against her pink cheeks, her hair sandy and glossy, hanging in two curtains on either side of her face. Beside her, Dante rolled his eyes and huffed, his black hair flopping into his eyes. He tossed it off his face with a flick of his head, a move he'd learned from the older boys on his soccer team, and Pau was feeling so magnanimous she didn't even tease him for it. Not everything has to be scientifically accurate, Pau, he said, making her regret her mercy. It's summer. Can we just forget about school stuff for like three seconds? We can't afford to. The polar ice caps are melting, Dante, Pau said witheringly. Coral reefs are dying by the acre. The ozone? Okay, okay, I get it, he said. All science, no fun. He saluted, and Pau felt bad for... F and Pau, feeling bad for being a stick in the mud, tossed a Cheeto at him and stuck out her tongue. It feels like it's always been the three of us, Pau thought as Dante ate the Cheeto and then Emma began trying to toss Skittles into his mouth. But it had been Dante and Pau first, long before Emma moved into town two years ago. Dante had been Pau's neighbor since they were four, when her dad, whom Pau barely remembered, had left for good, and her mom had been forced to move them into a run-down apartment complex at the edge of the, at the edge of the desert. 
Aside from sporadic birthday cards from her father, never with money inside, and only sometimes on her actual birthday, it had just been Pow and her mom for the past eight years. Her mom had tried to put up a brave front, but on several occasions, Pow had spied her out on the patio, spied her crying out on the patio. One time, Dante's abuela heard the sobbing, and she immediately insisted on having Pow and her mom over for dinner that night. And then the next night, and the next. Every evening for weeks, Senora Mata had made rib-sticking feasts while Dante and Pau eyed each other warily across the shag-carpeted living room. But then came the day when, as the kitchen filled with the smell of arroz con pollo, Dante held out a die-cast metal spaceship for Pau to play with, keeping the astronaut action figure for himself. The shag carpet had turned into the terrain of an alien planet, and they'd been inseparable ever since. Well, at least until the beginning of sixth grade, when Dante had joined the soccer team and started putting gel in his hair. All this past year, he felt half in, half out to Pau, like he was always thinking about being somewhere else when they were together. Pau had been grateful for the end of soccer and school, and with the start of summer, the return of, Dan of the Dante she'd always known but she couldn't help worrying about what seventh grade would bring for the three of them. It's getting late, Pao said, cutting off her own space out for once and, sh and shifting gears, picking up the candy wrappers and chip bags. She was probably, she was probably unsurprisingly, a stickler about litter. When you had researched the effect of trash on the world's bodies of water, it felt criminal to leave plastic behind. Dante grabbed the last empty M&M's bag as the sun began to sink in, in the sky, signaling the approach of the of the when the streetlights come on curfew they'd all been given. Hand them over, he said to Pau. I'll go to the trash can. Pau could see it in the silhouette up near the graffitied sign that marked the beginning of the river hiking trail. The city rarely emptied the can, but using it was better than littering. Hurry up, Emma said, and Dante saluted again. They were always careful to get back home on time. No one wanted their parents to come looking for them because then they'd have to explain where they'd been. They'd all been expressly prohibited from going anywhere near the river after Marisa Martinez had drowned last year, sending all the middle school parents into a panic. Pau was deeply offended by the restriction. She was a scientist. She knew about cold pockets and rivers that could cause hypothermia even when the air temperature was shattering the thermometers and currents that could grab you in, six, in water six inches deep and other invisible traps and hazards beneath the surface that were a one-way ticket to drowning. Not that she was afraid of the water or anything. Not at all. And even if she was understandably wary of it, there was no way she would admit that to her mom because Pau had already heard more than enough lectures about, in her young life about the dumbest reason ever to be afraid of anything, a ghost. That's right, Pau's mom had forbidden her from going anywhere near the Gila years ago, well before Marisa's tragic accident. The reason Pau had missed out on birthday parties, riverside barbecues, and anything else water-related had a different name, La Llorona, or The Weeping Woman. The spirit of a mother who, according to a centuries-old legend, had murdered her own children, and who was also supposedly super active in this region. And no, her mom's belief in the story was not a joke or an exaggeration, just a complete and total embarrassment. La Llorona is the most terrifying of all our ghosts, her mom would say. 
she drowned her children in a fit of rage and was cursed to wander the river bank forever calling their names and looking for her next young victim her mom was a gifted storyteller pow didn't like to admit it but back when she was eight years old the stories had given her nightmares nightmares she'd erased with good old-fashioned research the ghosts and wailing and disembodied hands had been replaced with sneaky currents hypothermia sunken tree branches that could snag an ankle those things were legitimately scary but ghosts there was no scientific basis for them no evidence at all that their existence was even possible let alone likely an old folktale was definitely not a valid reason to change one's plans especially when the plans happened to be the first boy-girl river tubing party one had ever been invited to. Not that Pau was still bitter about that or anything. Dante took off for the trash can, but not before stuffing the last half of a, sticker, of a Snickers in his mouth, his cheeks bulging around it. Gross, Dante, Emma said as he jogged toward the trailhead. She turned to pull one of Pau's shoulder-length braids. They hadn't talked about it, but Pau wondered if Emma was as glad as she was to have the old Dante back. Seriously, though, Emma said to Pau, you're extra out there today. What are we obsessing about? Her blue eyes were bright and curious, like she was brainstorming a list of topics for a group project at school. The potential habitability of Europa, she guessed first, or why they don't make whole sleeves of pink starbursts. Oh, is that, oh, is it the dog thing again? What's this week's breed? Pau smiled back, grateful that her mom's fixation on all things supernatural hadn't made the list. Emma Lockwood was more interested in comics than the solar system, and she liked cats more than dogs. The horror! But she was the kind of person who took the time to learn about what you loved. She cared about what you cared about. Pau had moved on from thinking about Europa months ago, but she didn't mind the question. She knew she was lucky to have a friend like Emma. Plus, seriously, why didn't they make whole sleeves of pink starbursts? They were by far the best flavor. Even though Emma's family lived on the golf course side of town, far from the sagging roofs and peeling walls of Dante and Pau's apartment complex, their twosome had effortlessly become a threesome the day Emma had pulled out her America Chavez comic and homeroom. I'm not allowed to talk about today's obsession anymore, Pau said under her breath with a resigned look at Dante who had just reached the can and was tossing their junk food detritus into it. Oh, right, Emma whispered a mischievous twinkle in her eye. Dante doesn't like algae. Pau giggled, but Emma wasn't done. As Dante turned to make his way back, Emma pulled Pau to the river's edge and scooped up a handful of the forbidden green stuff. That was another thing Pau loved about Emma. Even with her sparkly purple nail polish, she went for manicures with her mom every two weeks. She was still willing to get her hands messy for the sake of a good prank. Pau scooped a satisfying blob of algae for herself as Emma hid behind the scrub brushes near their blanket. Pau was just about to follow when a splash at the center of the river drew her eye. It had been too large to be one of the fish that leaped up for water striders, but strangely, the surface of the river was now still. No ripples. You didn't even have to be a scientist to know that ripples formed in water at any point of disturbance. Had Pau's ghost ruminations caused her imagination to kick into overdrive? Goosebumps erupted across her arms. Pau, he's coming back, Emma whispered. Emma whisper shouted from the bushes, and Pau shook her silly fears out of her head. She had imagined it, or it had just been a trick of the light. 
there was an explanation for everything, even if it wasn't immediately obvious. She slid in beside Emma, the scrub hiding from hiding them from Dante, who approached looking confused. Guys, he asked, and Pau suppressed a giggle, algae still dripping from her hands. Now, Emma shouted, exploding out of the bush and running toward Dante, Pau right behind her. For a minute, Pau was worried that too cool Dante would return, that he'd roll his eyes or do that weird new hair flip thing and say they were being dumb. But he screamed, turning on his heel and running like the swamp creature was behind him. Oh, no, you don't, he shrieked, his recently lowered, lower voice jumping three octaves. They chased him until they were breathless and cracking up, then finally dropped the offensive substance before rinsing their slimy hands in the shallows. Emma's cell phone rang while she was drying, shaking her hands dry. She always turned away when she answered it, Pau had noticed, covering as much of the Wonder Woman case as she could, like it might offend her and Dante by being so shiny and expensive looking. Pau didn't have a phone of her own. It was just sort of understood that her mom couldn't afford anything but the army green landline that hung on the kitchen wall, and Pau didn't dare ask, even though there were a constellation even though there was a constellation tracking app she would have loved to try. At least Dante could relate. His abuela probably didn't even know what a smartphone was, much less appreciate the benefits of having one. And it wasn't like she was rolling in money either. Dinner time, Emma said with a grimace when she hung up. She swung her leg over her purple mountain bike that, according to Dante, screamed Colorado. See you tomorrow, Pau asked her. You're bringing the telescope, right? And you're bringing the snacks, Emma replied. Don't eat all the pink starbursts this time. She pedaled off, kicking up dust on her way west, away from the swampy smell of the summer low river. Pau tried not to envy her too much. She and Dante walked away from the lingering glow of the sunset that gilded Emma's side of town like a blessing. After a mile or so, their own dilapidated apartment complex loomed ahead in silhouette. The sun always bails on us first, Pau thought, and wasn't that fitting? The 15 units of the Riverside Palace Apartments, the irony of the name was not lost on Pau, looked like the kind of motel people drive right by. There were two stories with one sagging staircase right in the middle. At one point, there had been 16 units, but apartments F, apartment F's roof had caved in three summers ago, and no one bothered to fix it. F was unoccupied now, of course, but sometimes high schoolers smoked cigarettes in it at night. Whenever Dante's abuela caught those kids there, she chased them off with her house slipper, yelling curses in Spanish while they sped away, laughing on those low-to-the-ground bikes Pau secretly coveted. Unit B was empty, too, its dark windows drawing Pau's eye, as always. A boy and his parents had lived there until six months ago, when uniformed men had come in a van and arrested them. Pau, Emma, and Dante had witnessed the whole thing while taking turns on Emma's bike in the parking lot. Pau had tried to ask her mom about it, but she had only hugged her tightly and said something about privilege that Pau didn't quite understand. No one had rented the apartment since, and Pau often wondered what had happened to the people who had, take, had been taken from it. The palace's stairs, with their peeling sea green paint and warped railing, were where Pau and Dante always said goodnight before he went up and she stayed down. Their apartments, C and K, were stacked on top of each other, separated only by Pau's ceiling and Dante's floor. Tonight, when they reached the stairs, Pau lifted her hand for their usual high five. Pau 
Dante slapped it automatically, but he didn't go up right away. Instead, he lingered, gazing down at Pa's feet until she was all too aware of the mud on her Kmart Converse knockoffs and the chocolate smudge on his chin. He's taller than me, Pa realized. When had that happened? Hey, so I wanted to say, he began, still looking at her scuffed sneaker toes. Yeah? Well, your algae and stuff? I know I give you crap, but I actually think it's pretty cool. I mean, not the algae, he clarified quickly. But, like, just how much you know about it and stuff. That's cool, so. Okay, she said, her cheeks heating up. Um, thanks? Dante had never acted this way with her before. She wasn't entirely sure she hated it. But seriously, if you ever try to put that gross stuff in my hair again, he met her eyes, sounding more like his usual self. I'll think of something worse, way worse than a gummy worm to stick up your nose. When he smiled, his teeth were bright white against his summer-browned skin. He bumped her shoulder with his, and he headed up the stairs, acting all casual and laid back. But the tops of his ears were flushed purple. She could see it as the parking lot lights flared to life. Pao's curiosity crackled in the wake of Dante's blush. She wished she could stay outside to mull it over while the evening air cooled around her, but her mom was waiting. As always, Pao lifted her chin and steeled herself before she went inside. Time to face the ghost stories.